We're going to continue in our James series this week. Uh, the title of our series that we've been doing is James, which is Learning and Living a Faith that Works. We're on week number five, and, uh, and so we're going to be starting week number five. We're going to be starting, actually going to be finishing chapter two uh, this morning. So we're going to be in James 14, uh, and, or 2, 14, going through verse number 26. But before we do that again, I want to remind you of our theme for the series. It's James 1. B, and that's basically that you would be growing, that you would be made perfect and mature and complete, lacking in nothing. That's what we're thinking of. That's what the point of James is for our series. And so as we go through this, as we look at these things together, I always want you to remember that. You know, I know people are like, why do you keep bringing this up? Because I want you to see what we're going to be talking about through that lens. Okay? As, as you go outside, most people are going to put on sunglasses and things like that, and you're seeing the world through a lens. You're seeing it in, in a different way because of what is in front of your face or in front of your eyes. And I want you to understand that this is the point of it. This is what James is trying to help us to understand so that we can get that. So we're, we're understanding that James is not trying to be mean. He's not trying to be a jerk. He's not trying to beat on us or smack us around. He's trying to help us to grow. And that's what we want to do. And that's what we're looking at. But as we look at this section, as we look at basically the section that we have, I do usually give a section title. And so the section title is quite simply this. James could have been from Missouri. James could have been from Missouri. Now, you got to understand something. Now, I have to explain this because I found that when I moved away from where I grew up, I found some confusion in this. And that's quite simply this. If you ask me, Aaron, where did you grow up? I'm not going to say Lee Summit. Now, that's the town I grew up in. That's the town my mom grew up in. That's just where my sisters still live, and, and my mom and dad live right in that area. But if you ask me, Eric, where did you grow up? I'm going to say Kansas City, because it's a large city. At least I'm in a suburb of Kansas City. And you know, what I found out is when I say Kansas City, people normally look at me and go, oh, you're from Kansas. No. <laughs> now, I know that makes complete sense, okay? Because if you go, I'm from Oklahoma City, you're going to go, you're from Oklahoma, Okay. There is a Kansas City, Kansas, and a Kansas City, Missouri, okay? Now, I grew up on the Missouri side. That's where my grandparents grew, you know, were, and, and where my dad grew up in central Missouri and all those sort of things. So I am from Missouri. And if you go to Missouri, if you drive there, you're gonna, if you see a normal license plate, you're going to see something on the license plate besides the numbers in Missouri. All of them have this phrase. It's, Missouri is the show me state. That is our non-official motto. The show me state. And I looked today, or looked this today, this week, at some of the reasons why that's the case. But basically, and there were some interesting stories, but basically it's, it's, it's a situation where people from Missouri are somewhat stubborn. Some of you have heard the phrase, stubborn is an old Missouri mule. Okay? That's kind of how I grew up. And, and the point of it is quite simply this. We from Missouri have a certain way of looking at things. Talk is cheap. Anybody can talk. Show me. Give me evidence more than just what you're saying. Show me. Don't tell me you're good at something. Show me. Don't say you're good at something or, or say that you like something. Show me. Don't say, hey, I really like baseball and hey, I really like the Rockies. Don't just tell me that. Show me by being there. It seems like James, as we hit this portion of scripture in James 2, is, is from Missouri. He begins to basically say, look, I don't want you just to tell me about your faith. I want you to show me. And there's something important about this. And we're going to jump into James chapter 2, starting with verse number 14. And we're going to look at this portion of Scripture. And I'm just going to read it really quickly. 
And, and then we're going to jump into some things that I think we need to look at and highlight. So again, we're going to start with James 2, verse number 14, and we're going to finish out the chapter. It says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the needs, uh, without giving them the things they needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out. Out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Father, we love you and you are so good. And Father, I just need your help. I need your, your wisdom and your guidance. Father, I need your words to exit my mouth. Because Father, my words aren't good enough. But Father, you change everything. And so Father, I pray that you would help and that you would come and that you would anoint. Father, both the words that come out of my mouth and the hearers, their ears, Father, that they would be able to hear your words, understand them, and act. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's start with number one. Number one, James encourages us to show him and others. Look at James chapter two, starting with verse number 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works. Can that faith save him? So basically here again, we're seeing James beginning to say, listen, works are important, faith are important, but they go hand in hand. They have to work together. Now, what we've seen over the years is some misunderstandings here of James. Okay, So it's just a moment, we're going to stop. And we're going to look at a couple things that kind of come, that, that seem like they're in conflict with each other, but are not. Paul writes a lot about faith, but, and and so because of that, there has been over the years this this kind of feeling like James and Paul are kind of butting heads, and they're not. James is focusing in on a certain part of the faith work equation, and Paul is focusing in on the other. They are not saying one does not matter, they are saying they go hand in hand and work together. Paul just chooses to focus a little bit more on the faith aspect, where James is a little bit different. James begins to work a little bit on the, the, um, the works aspect. Blah, blah, blah. Wow. And you know what's interesting about this? I think it fits with what God has called them to do. Now remember, we talked about this way, way, way ago. What was James' job? James was the pastor in Jerusalem. That was his calling. That's what he did. He was the pastor there. Paul was not called to be a pastor. Paul was a church planner and he was an evangelist. He would go in, he would start these churches, and then Paul would leave. Okay? So Paul's idea was very much this idea of a saving faith and a saving grace and a saving understanding of God. Paul's was that way. That's what he focused in on. James 
cared about faith. It was a part of him. But remember, he's a pastor. He stays with these people. He's not going to go off in a couple years and start another church. And so James here is not saying faith isn't important, but James is saying, listen, now that we've experienced faith, now that we're grow- now we have to grow in our faith, and a natural response to that is going to be the works. It's going to come naturally. It's going to become a part of that. James and Paul are not banging heads. They're actually agreeing with one another. They're just doing it, and they're coming at it from different angles. But let's look at some of the things that Paul wrote, just so that we can understand that. As we look first into Paul's writings in Ephes- or to the, Eph- the Ephesians, we look at this in Ephesians 2, 8 verses 10, it says this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. This is a gift of God, not a result of works, okay? So that no one may boast. Now, that's sometimes where we stop in this equation. We go, oh, look, look what Paul said. Paul says, listen, this isn't about works. And that's exactly right. It's not about works. But then he continues in verse number 10. He says, for we are all his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. In them. So Paul here again begins with this idea of faith that we're saved through faith by grace. It's not a works thing. And James is not saying it's a works thing. James and Paul are saying the same thing. They're saying once you get saved, once you experience faith through grace, now what's naturally going to come out of that is works. If you're going to have a living, active faith. In Titus, he also says this. He's writing and he says, the the saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things. So that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to what? Good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. We've got to understand that. We have to understand that a natural response from our faith is going to be actions. It's going to take place. When faith and good works are working together, that's where things begin to happen. That's where things begin to be moving and grooving and living and active. One of the things that we have to understand is a very, and maybe you've heard this saying before, but it's something that we need to look at together this morning so that we kind of wrap a bow all around this. And this quite simply this statement, faith alone saves but the faith that saves is not alone it has good works with it okay now we got to understand some context here for a second remember the context James here is writing to early Christians that grew up Jewish that are now in the church in Jerusalem They have understood what it is to have good works. Faith and this understanding of faith is somewhat new to them and somewhat not new to them and so what a natural progression has begun to happen is because when these things came up, they begin to run a little bit too far to this faith side and they basically didn't allow their works to catch up. James here is gently and kindly correcting them. And he's basically saying, listen, listen, it's great that you have faith. You are saved by your faith and through grace. But a natural response is going to be action. It's going to have to happen. And he continues on with this because now he begins to bring us some examples. Now he basically begins to say, listen, let's look at some examples of some dead faith. And then we're going to look at some examples of some living faith. Because he's talking here about dead things and live things. And the works is a justification for the life. So examples of some dead faith. Let's look at James chapter 2. Look at verse number 15, 16. And then we're going to jump to 19. It says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food... 
And one of you say to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? You believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. So what we see here is now James is basically saying, okay, I'm going to give you some examples. I'm going to give you some, some fleshed out ideas of what this is supposed to look like. I'm going to give you some bad examples or some examples of some dead faith. Okay? And so he basically says, listen, if you walk into a situation and you see there's a need, you have to understand that. Look here what James is saying. He says, if you look and you see that there's a need, because you say go in peace, be warm and filled. Why would you say be warm and filled to someone who was warm and filled? So you're understanding there's a need here for clothing and there's a need here for food. And your response is basically, you're cool. You want, a, you want a 2018 version of that? You ready? Things aren't going well for somebody. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Now, let's, let's, let's not get silly. Should we pray for people? Absolutely. Should that be a part of what we do? Absolutely. But you know what? God may also be asking you to act. It may be more than just saying, I'm going to pray for you. It may be, I'll go to the hospital with you, or I'll help you do this, or I'll be a part of this, or I will be, do what God wants me to do in this situation. And so we see here is an acknowledgement of a need, but a refusal to help. A refusal to help. They know there's a need. And their response is basically, simply, I'll pray for you and nothing more and nothing less. That's not what God desires for his people to do and to be. This is an example of dead faith. This is an example of faith that is no longer active. It's no longer a part of what God is doing and what God desires to do. So listen, just to be completely honest with you, just to look at yourself with honesty, and remember, remember what the point of this is. is so you grow. Do you look at needs? Do you look at situations and do nothing? Do you, do you over-spiritualize? We, we do this a lot. Do we over-spiritualize our nose? We don't want to do something, and so we'll say something like, well, I don't believe God has called me to do that. Let me help you with something, okay? Your calling is to help people. Every single one of us. It's to share Christ's love with people. There is no calling that anyone in this world has that does not include that. So get that out of your mind now. Somebody needs help and God has placed them in your path. Your job as a follower of Christ is to reach down and help them and make a difference in their lives. I believe Jesus told a story about this. I believe he mentioned something about a man going down to Jericho and him falling in between robbers. Who are you? Who are you? Just be honest with yourself, please. Don't lie to yourself. That's silly. It's silly enough when we lie to each other. Let's not lie to ourselves. When you go down in the valley and you're going in between Jericho, who are you? Are you the Samaritan? And if you are, that's awesome. But are you the Levite? Are you the priest? Are you going off on the other side? Which one are you? Is it hard sometimes? Yeah, it is hard. Do we do it perfectly? No, no one does. But sometimes the first step is realizing, you know what, in this area, in this situation, my faith is not as active as it needs to be. And then James takes one step further. 
He said, I'm giving you this great example of this guy who's seeing a need and not responding to it. And then he goes one step further in verse number 19. He basically says, listen, if your faith is like that, your faith is demonic. Demonic faith. Whoa. What do you mean? Well, well, wait a minute. No, look. The demons believe. The demons believe. That's, listen, listen. If, if you think your faith sets you apart from the enemy, he believes. Listen, the enemy and his angels were in God's presence. They have seen the things that we are dreaming about seeing. They have been in the very throne room of God. You don't think they believe? If they didn't, that would be crazy. They believe and shudder. But their faith is a dead faith. Now, I, I, I know this is going to be a little rough. And I just, just remember again, okay? I'm speaking to myself, number one. And number two, we want you to grow. This is what James's point is. But can we be honest with ourselves? Do we have sometimes the same type of faith as a demon? We're able to say, yeah, Jesus is Lord. Yeah, he's God. But we don't do anything with that. I mean, basically, he's giving this example and he's going, I'll give you two examples of dead faith. Somebody that refuses to help and a demon. Wow. You remember we talked about James kind of sometimes stepping on our toes and making us a little uncomfortable? This is, this is kind of, for me, at least one of those moments. Because I know I don't always help. I know I would rather do other things. I know there's times where, where someone is like, hey, I need this. And I'm like, well, let's maybe call someone else because I'd rather not do that. And I'm not saying get taken advantage of, but you, you know what I'm saying. Be in there for each other and helping each other. James gives us these unbelievable examples of some dead faith. Next, James gives us some examples of living faith. He says, now I'm going to give you some examples of some dead faith, and now I'm going to give you some examples of some living faith. He's going to start doing this in James chapter 2, verse number 15 and 16. He says this. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. 21 through 23, I was on the wrong point. Abraham, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Now let's stop there for just a second. Obviously, everyone that's hearing this story was, was more than likely Jewish and knew this story. They knew about Father Abraham and they knew about the idea of Abraham taking his son and offering it out. Okay? Offering him to God. God goes to him basically, and most of you know the story, but just in case, and says, listen, I want you to offer your son as a sacrifice to me. Now Isaac is the promise. Isaac is who they have been waiting for. And basically Abraham doesn't hesitate. He doesn't wait. The Bible even says he gets up early in the morning and he goes. He goes as far as building the altar. He goes as far as laying his son on the altar. He goes as far as raising the knife. And then God says, stop. But there was an action there. He offered him. He says, you see, you see that faith was active along with his works. A faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You want a friendship with God? Your faith has to be alive. It's got to be an active thing. It has to be more than just words. It has to be more than this is what I believe. It's this is what I do. Now again, let's stop here. Let's refresh. This is not salvation. 
This is the natural response of your salvation. This is an apple tree naturally producing apples. And so he gives Abraham here as an example. And then he goes to verse number 25. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. I love this because James here has gone and he's gone way full spectrum. Okay? He's basically, again, James is this kind of guy that I think would have probably made a really good lawyer, okay, if that makes sense. James is going to answer your question and answer your, 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 your defense before you even ask it, okay? He's going to go full spectrum. So he's given us Abraham, father Abraham, father of the Jewish nation, okay? The guy that you sing about, move your arms and head and eventually fall down. That guy. Who had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. You get what I'm saying here. So he's way over here on the spectrum. And then he says, let me tell you about somebody else who did the same exact thing. Then he goes way over here. I'm going to get a workout today. Way over here. And he says, let me tell you about Rahab. Rahab is a prostitute. Rahab is a Gentile. Rahab has no reason to believe in God in this situation. And yet he uses both of them. Do you think that was an accident? You think James was just sitting there picking names out of a hat? He knew exactly what he was doing. And he was basically saying, look, if Father Abraham needed to have works, and if Rahab needed to have works, we all need to have works because somewhere in there you're going to fall. Somewhere in there, your life is going to hit. Now, maybe you're maybe closer to over here, Father Abraham. Maybe you're maybe over here closer to Rahab. But you're somewhere in this spectrum. And if that is you, there's going to need to be works. There's going to be need to be works. And I love this portion where it says, it says in verse number 22, it says, you see that faith was active. Living faith is active. It's not passive. It's not sitting back and, and doing nothing. It's allowing the fact that God has changed you to actually let that change change other people and other situations and other things. Other things. I, got, I wrote down some, some, I'm going to read them actually from the notes because I didn't want to write them all the way down. But I wanted to give you some, some marks of living faith. I want to give you some marks. Now, now, what you can do with this, and this is not an extensive list. These are just, you know, I think about six things that, that we wrote down to help us. And I want you to look at these, and I want you to be honest with yourself again, okay? Listen, please understand on this. It's silly to lie to, your, to other people. Silly. It's crazy to lie to yourself, okay? Let's just be honest. And look, I know, our, listen, you are going to not pass the test. You're not going to get 100%. Okay, that's okay. That's okay, we're growing. But these are some things, and I want you to look at these things. And what I want you to do is, in your mind, I want you to put a check mark. You don't have to do it physically. Put a check mark, and you go, you know what? I may not be perfect at that one, but I do a pretty good job. Okay? Put yourself a check mark. If you're not doing it, put yourself an X. That way you know what to work on, guys. Sometimes I think our faith and our growth in Christ is just this pie in the sky, by and by, glory, glory, hallelujah. And sometimes, you know, it's like you got to actually have a little list here. That's okay. God, can, God likes lists. He made one with Ten Commandments. I mean, he likes lists. And they can help us. So look at this one. Number one, is faith, it is a faith 
that looks not to self, but to Jesus. It is a faith that looks not to self. Is your faith, do you expect you to do it all? Or are you, do you have faith that Jesus will take care of it? Okay? It's kind of like we were talking about during worship. Do you understand that in your weakness, God is strong? Or do you think you have to do it all? Okay? Number two, it is faith that agrees with God's word, both inwardly and with words. Okay? So it's not just, I believe God's word in my heart, but you're actually speaking that out. It is faith grounded in what Jesus did on the cross and by the empty tomb. That's a big part of this. Okay? Next, it is a faith that will naturally, and I, and, I, and I want you to do me a favor, circle that word if you have your notes or if you, if you do this, circle that word naturally, okay? It is a, word, it is a faith that will naturally be expressed in repentance and good works. Naturally. It's just going to happen because of what God is doing in you and through you. Next, it is a faith, now this is important, you check this out. It is a faith that may sometimes doubt, yet the doubts are not bigger than the faith, nor are they more permanent than the faith. This faith can say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Listen, you're going to have probably moments where you doubt. You're going to have moments where it's hard. You're going to have moments where it's like life just kind of hits you in the face with a two by four. And you're going to have those moments. But listen, your faith is greater than those doubts. And you understand that. Next, it is a faith that wants others to come to the same faith. Okay? It's a faith that says, listen, I have good news and I want to share it with those that I love and share it with the people that are God places in my path. It's understanding that and sharing that. And finally, it is a faith that only hears the word of God, but does it as in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Now, listen, I told you this isn't a complete list, but this is a great place to start. Are you doing these things? Do you have a dead faith or do you have a live faith? Because the final thing you have to understand and we all have to understand is this. A living faith cannot be separated from works and remain alive. It can't. It cannot be separated from works and remain alive. So let's finish up James with James, or James chapter 2 with James 2, 17 and 18. And then we're going to jump to verse number 26. It says this. So although faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. What James is basically talking about this here is he's basically he's answering those questions that people would have. The excuse is, well, well, you know, you, you do the faith thing, I do the work thing. And James goes, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. They work together. They work hand in hand. He said, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And then jumping to the final verse in chapter 2. It says, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. In another translation, I was, as I was studying this week, um, instead of, you, you see this word, instead of a spirit, you have the word breath. Basically, this concept that, that a body without breath is dead. Let me, let me, let's talk about this for a second. If you had, if I brought a person out here, okay, and, and I brought them out on a cart, and they were void of breath, what would they be? Dead. Dead. If you held your breath, if I put you underwater, if you jumped in the the lake or jumped in the ocean and you were void of air, what would happen to you? You die. 
James is saying no different here. He's basically saying, listen, without the, without the works part of this, you're dead. Basically saying, you're a corpse. You're a corpse. Now, I want you to stop and I want you to be honest with ourselves as we look at the church, as we look at... The, there's a lot of corpses walking around, aren't there? There's a lot of dead things walking around. Now, what's bad about that is Christ came to make dead things alive again. He didn't go to Lazarus' tomb and go, oh, no, well, I guess we'll just wait till I tell all my stuff and I'll see him in heaven. No. He spoke to dead things and dead things came alive. He did that in a physical sense because he wanted us all to understand what he wants to do to us in a spiritual sense. God desires to speak to dead things and make them alive again. God loves to do that. But where's your faith? Where's your works? Are you a corpse? Are you walking around as a dead person? Or is your life an expression? Is it active? Is it alive? Is it full? Because I think sometimes there's a lot of dead people walking around. I know in my life, sometimes I'm a dead person walking. I remember a long time ago, and I don't remember when it came out. I think it was called, uh, it was a movie called The Green Mile. I think that's what it was. I think Tom Hanks was in it. I don't know, it was years and years and years ago. And, And the whole point of it was they were in a prison. And in this prison, I think, I think, and if I'm saying this wrong, I'm sorry, but because it was a long time ago. But I think they were, they were, Tom Hanks and some other guys were, were prison guards on death row. It's not a job that I think would be an easy one, and 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 I think it took place in like the 20s or 30s or something like that. And so they would take a man in this movie, and I don't know if it's accurate. I'm just saying what the movie said, and and when they would take him. To be executed to the electric chair, there would be a guy, at least in the movie, they would be following him and they'd say, dead man walking, dead man walking. And I don't remember much about that movie. I just remember that. You know, sometimes, sometimes God will do that in my life. Is he'll make me remember things and I'm like, God, why? What does that mean? And, you know, and, and later on over time, God will speak to, to my heart about those moments. And I, I feel like there's been times where, where in God's love and in God's discipline... God has walked behind me and said, dead men walking. Dead men walking. Because my faith and my works haven't always been what they need to be. Listen, as the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. We've got to understand this. We are saved by grace and by faith alone. It is not of works. You cannot work your way into heaven. You cannot do enough things to make that happen. You can't. It is faith alone. We have to understand this. Faith plus without works makes it a dead faith. But we also need to understand works without faith make it dead works. They go together. And I've been feeling there have been times in my life where, where I haven't always allowed my faith to be expressed in my actions. 
I haven't always allowed the fact that God has changed me and that I believe in him to, to affect how I live. And I, think, I, I really believe that if we're all honest with ourselves, we could probably all say, yeah, I, I probably don't do it exactly right all the time. And that's okay. But the first step here is understanding that. The first step is saying, you know what, God? First of all, I believe in you. I believe that you are who you said you are. I believe that you are Christ. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose. And that because of that, I can have forgiveness from my sins because you were the ultimate sacrifice. It starts there. And that's how we're saved. Scripture is very clear. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. But after that, what begins to happen or what should happen, there should be works in your life. There should be tangible things. Me being a stubborn Missouri mule, I should be able to look at you and you should be able to look at me and go, listen, you don't have to tell me you're saved. I can see it all over you and by the way you act. I can see it. The way you respond in situations. The way you handle people. The way you deal when things don't go right. I can see it in you. James here is not belittling faith. He's just helping us understand there's something that goes together. There's something that that, that binds it together in our lives. And it's not something that is is separate. It's, It's a part of what God wants to do in you. It's that growth that we talk so much about. And listen, here's what you have to understand. It doesn't matter if you're three or if you're 30 or if you're 130. God wants you to grow and you are not exempt. God does not look at you and say, you know what? You don't have to grow anymore. You've reached this age or you're not there yet. It doesn't work that way. God wants us all to grow. God wants us all to mature. God wants us all to have more works in our lives. What did Jesus say? He said, I want you to produce much fruit. I want you to think of it this way. We should desire that the people that God places in our lives that don't know him would come to know him right we want that don't we i think i think we can all think of people in our minds right now that don't know jesus that need to know jesus right think about that person just right now can you just do me a favor just think about it i got mine i got several i want you to think about them you got them it's very difficult for them, okay? Follow me here, because this is kind of what James was saying. It's very difficult for them to see your faith. Faith is hard to see. This is where we get so confused with this portion of Scripture. This is where, over time, we've had some issues with this. It's hard to see faith. It's hard to look at faith and go, oh, well, I see that, and therefore I am going to accept this. But when there's works, when there's something 
a part of that that they can actually grab and touch and see, something changes. I've had people that have come to know Jesus, and they've come to know Jesus not because of my great faith. They come to know Jesus because I actually acted my faith out. And they said, you know, you responded to that differently than I did. You handled that situation in a way I don't understand. How is it that you can have peace right now? The world is falling apart. Our jobs are falling apart. Well, I don't understand. And you have peace. How can you do that? I don't say, oh, I have this great faith. No. What do they see? They see my works that come naturally out of my faith. Now, let's go back to that person, that person that you love, that person that matters to you, that person that you know desperately needs Jesus. Your faith is great. First step, most important step. But right there behind it, how is your life in that area? How is your life? James here is not trying to beat you up. James is not sitting here going, you need to do He's he's basically saying, look, look, this is great, but there's got to be more. You know, can we be honest with ourselves? In our world that we live in, we are so visual, aren't we? I, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. I cannot tell you the amount of time I've watched kids watch things on YouTube and on Netflix. We, we learn this way now, don't we? I got, I got sisters who are teachers and, and, and a brother who's a teacher and, and, and mom that was a teacher and I'm the black sheep. Um, and, and, and they always talk about the visual side, the way kids learn today. And I remember going, oh, boy, that's just horrible, isn't it? Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, that's just not good at all. And then I realized something. Wait a minute. That's great. Why? So they can see what we're doing. You know what I've learned with kids at least? And, and I, I, I have this strange belief that, that adults are, are just kids with a mortgage. It didn't always matter what I said. It mattered what I did. I grew up with a senior pastor would pound this into us and he would say nobody cares how much you know till they know how much you care knowing Christ is awesome knowing him having faith in him (laughs) greatest thing in the world But are we really living it? Are we really allowing that to happen? Is your life so visible for Christ? When other people's lives fall apart, do they come to you? Because they know there's something different. Can we do do something? Can we just close our eyes?
John and the worship team is going to come and they're going to lead us in a, a, a song real quick. But I just want us to, to take a moment. Because one of the things I love about James is, is he really, and this is why, you know, I, I talked about this at the very beginning. I, I hope you're reading James. I hope you're, you're dissecting James. I hope you're digesting James. I hope that you didn't just read James in 15 minutes. I hope you're taking some time. James allows us time to self-evaluate and to look. And I just have a simple question. First of all, do you have faith? Okay, that's, that's first and foremost. Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? He's God's son and he came because he loves you and he offered himself for us as a ransom for many. And if you can say, yes, yes, I do, awesome. You're saved, you're good. But now let's take another step. How are your actions showing that? Quite simply, do you have a living, active faith? Or do you have a dead faith? That's a simple question, guys. It's not complicated. James didn't mean for it to be. He was, he's very simple. What does your faith really look like? Is it alive? Is it dead? Maybe yours is on life support, okay? But let's just be honest with ourselves. Because wherever we're at, wherever we're at in that spectrum, God wants us to get a little bit more alive. Because just like we'll never get to a place where God says we don't have to grow, we're not going to get to a place where God's going to say, you've, you've grown enough. We can all grow more. But we have to be honest. Because I truly believe that, that not only does God want you to be honest with yourself and see those areas in your life, I truly believe that God is going to actually, through these next several weeks, give you opportunity to do something about it. That God is going to allow you moments, divine appointments as they were, to act out that faith. So that the world can see it and know that we are who we say we are. So where's your faith? Just be honest. And know no matter where you're at, that God can help you and he wants you to grow. Father, we love you so much. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. And Father, we thank you for this book. God, we thank you for James, who is willing to kind of say, hey, faith, awesome. Faith, step one. But number two, there's got to be actions. We don't, Father, we don't want a dead faith. We want a living, active faith. We want a faith that changes situations and, situ and circumstances. We want people to see our good works and therefore glorify our Father in heaven. We don't want to be a corpse. We don't want to be a dead man walking anymore. So God, no matter where we're at, Father, no matter where our situation is on that spectrum, Father, I pray that you would help us to grow in that. The way we talk, the way we act, the things we see, the way we responds, respond to triumph or tragedy, that, Father, in those moments, we would trust you.
we would grow in you and our faith would produce much fruit for your glory and your kingdom. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.